Hello, welcome to another edition of the Light Reading Podcast. My name is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. Andrea Caldini. I'm the Vice President of Technical Product Development and Engineering at Verizon. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I saw, let's see, so the the if you're listening to this and you're like, this name sounds familiar, you <laughs> probably saw her speak at uh, the Big 5G event where she was in a fireside chat with, hold on, I've got the name right here, Klessy Ke- Ke- Zizzler. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounds okay. just right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I said on the program. Um, no, anyway, uh, yeah, good, good to, good to have you on because, uh, we're talking, uh, private 5g. One of my favorite yeah, subjects for, for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Verizon's definitely been busy on the private, private 5g front. Uh, what are some of the, uh, you know, verticals where you all have kind of narrowed your focus? I know, you know, initially when there were conversations around private 5g, there was a lot of talk about, uh, manufacturing, um, mining, where is Verizon, um, you know, focusing on private 5G right now? So we're focusing on customer outcomes. So that's our key focus. And as we look at different companies and different um, customers, you know, we see things in a lot of different areas. So we look at manufacturing for sure. Um, We are looking in the venue space. There's a lot of opportunities there. We've seen the ports, um, mining, um, retail. I mean, we also we had this one that just recently happened, which was a, an outdoor area, and it was a small garden center that had a huge event at a certain time of year, and they needed point of sale machines. So, I mean, as we we start and you know move into more deployments at five for private network on five G, we're seeing increased numbers of different opportunities. So everywhere we go, we're seeing different use cases. And that's where we start. We started, you know, you look at a small opportunity that makes sense. And then where do you expand from? Yeah. And I know one of your um, initial ones that um, I I think it was Jennifer Artley spoke about at uh, the big 5G event one year was the port of Southampton. Mm-hmm. Do you have any updates there or, you know, additional ports that you're looking into? Yeah. So we have worked, we're working with additional ports and, you know, some of those locations were, we're looking originally at coverage, right? So they're thinking, I, I have this large area, I need to cover it. Wi-Fi just doesn't make sense here. And as I look at cellular, it's a great opportunity, but I need it to be a private network. I can't use the, the macro network because I need to control the area. So they start off with a coverage play, but then as they have it, they start looking at autonomous vehicles, right? How What other things can they do once they have the the system in place. So those are things that are really exciting as we look at the ecosystem that we're building, as we start to put these networks out, the original use case is there and then they start building and adding new use cases, which is a lot of fun. I have a question about sort of the, um, the con- uh, well, for, I, I do want to uh, circle back to the uh, Wi-Fi mm-hmm. uh comment in a second because that, that that's definitely a big a big deal but um the way your customers sort of uh manage their private networks is verizon 
doing that on their behalf or do they have like how much control do they typically need or want or does that just vary wildly depending on um you know their own IT capabilities and their own understanding of communications networks and that sort of thing. Yeah, so as we look at it's kind of interesting as you look at cellular and the IT community, right? They don't necessarily have the same understanding of a cellular network. And then if we have something that's using our spectrum, which is um, a lot of the use cases out there, you want a licensed spectrum. So when it's using Verizon's licensed spectrum, we manage the system for them because there's interactions between the macro network and the private network that we need to maintain. But we see a lot of customers looking for a managed solution here, especially as you start to talk to warehouses or manufacturing we're talking to a different customer now. We're not necessarily talking to the networking people, but the people that are on the floor running the operations. And that's really not what they do, right? They're trying to make sure that the factory is working, that their product is coming out. And as we look at different types of like CV solutions that help support them, they're more interested in the manufacturing and the factory versus the network that's supporting it. So we offer a managed okay. service there. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, and then to kind of follow up on the um, the connectivity issue. So you said, you know, a lot of times it was a coverage play and then it kind of evolved into something mm -hmm. uh, more sophisticated with with, uh, with kind of using more of the low latency, you know, capabilities of, of 5G. Um, I'm, I'm curious about does, does private 5G for an enterprise, especially one that has like people coming and going a lot, does it help solve this sort of in-building connectivity issue because, you know, we're, we're in our, just anecdotally, you know, in our travels, we find that like, you know, 5G still doesn't really adequately reach through buildings, but then Wi-Fi is great when it works, but it doesn't fail over to 5G and you can't really leave the building when you start, you know, things like that. I'm wondering, does, does private 5G uh, help in those types of scenarios or is it more for, um, uh, for for sort of environments where they're kind of contained in a uh, either in a geography or in a in a physical space. So as we look at our private networks, there's we have a few different configurations, and when you have the license spectrum, you get both the the use case where you have that internal use case where you have maybe devices that you don't want to work when they leave the the enterprise. And then you have people that are coming into the network that are maybe your maybe customers or their employees, but they have a Verizon device. So as they come into the network, they're roaming onto our network. So they're connecting over the the RAN area, so the radio network, but then actually they're going back to the Verizon core, where a customer that has just those internal SIMs that only work on campus are only going to the campus core. They're not going back to the macro core. So that's how we allow, you know, customers that have just a, a, a device that comes in that's not specific for the private network, but still gets to take advantage of the um, spectrum that's in the building. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's also great for customers too, because it means they can work with partners and things like that and not, you know, um, uh, not have those kind of connectivity hiccups that we're all sort of used to at this point with, uh, um, you know, every time you go to visit a building, you have to stop what you're doing, re-log in, and then as soon as you get to the car, 
you change it all over again yeah. <laughs> and all, all of that stuff. It, it is nice to be able to just uh, stay on the network and not, not have to worry about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have that problem every time I go to the gym. I'm like, oh, their Wi-Fi. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> trying to list my podcast here. Uh, I mean, not this one, other podcasts. No, no. That, no, uh, no. Please just listen to us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what kind of a maniac you are. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I'm trying to listen to myself. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, back back to the conversation at hand. Um, so you, Verizon also had some really interesting um, private 5G deployments uh, with the NFL and Miami Grand Prix. Um, so why, I mean, this is probably uh, more something at Phil's wheelhouse because we know how much he loves football, mm-hmm. which I like Never to just call sports ball. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know as much about sports ball. So why, why do, uh, is it necessary for um, coach to coach communication uh, to be supported by 5G? So as we, so we've had a relationship with the NFL for a very long time. So we're a sponsor of the NFL. Um, I've done myself in previous roles, uh, three Super Bowls, uh, and have very close connections with our friends down in Miami. Um, So a lot of these um, things that we're doing here, you know, my, the, the Dolphins have been just a great partner and we've tested a lot of the things out with the Dolphins. And then they expand. So you see what we've done down there with the Grand Prix, um, the Grand Prix, yeah, the Grand Prix. Um, So it just super exciting, the different use cases. So coach to coach communications, they were using old technology um, and they needed to make a change uh, and move to something different. And so what we proposed to them was putting together a private network that would work on the field. And some of the challenges that you have with some stadiums is getting coverage on the field, because if it's an open air stadium, you don't have necessarily the radios that that cover it. Um, so we put together a solution that could be put out on the field and then taken away as well as that, you know, because they have concerts and other things that they do at those stadiums. So it allowed the the coaches to actually have a headset on and they were communicating over uh, private 5G, and they found that there, they found that the the sound. I mean, the responses back we got, they were they were so amazed with how clear the voice was over the private network. Now, other things we did with private network is, you know, you look at the Grand Prix. We have a store that uses both private network and mobile edge compute, and that store is you have the ability to walk into the store pick up stuff and leave, right? And the payment go, is automatic and it's it's quite cool. I've done it in, uh, we have a store like that in one of our offices up in Boston. They also pulled the network out to um, be able to do point of sale. If you think about the Grand Prix, the difference there is, you know, for, for the Super Bowl or other things that are happening at the venue, you know, a lot of that there's, tailgating and stuff that happens, but you know, you go inside and it's inside the venue, but for the Grand Prix, it's, it's not, it's around the venue, like how that, that track works. So they needed to have different areas set up that were temporary in a way to support this. And they needed to have this type of coverage. So we were able to work with them on these solutions 
instead of doing Wi-Fi, which again would have been a number of nodes, a lot more difficult to set up by using the cellular network, we were able to provide them with point of sale systems, with these um, stores and uh, you know the back of house type of solution for them. So they're not competing over the Wi-Fi with, with the public network. So really a lot of great opportunities as we look at stadiums and these events that are kind of pop-up events. Do those instances of like, um, you know, stadium communications or, um, or even large venue, uh, in sort of sporting events, do those either, I guess it's kind of a chicken and egg question. Like which, which comes first? Does, does the investment in the edge infrastructure, um, have to sort of happen beforehand for, for, for all of that to work or does the, um, the usage, the usage of private 5G necessitate more investment in the edge, depending on the application? I would say the latter. Um, you know, we, we joke that uh, private network is the gateway drug for mobile edge compute, right? So once you have the private mm-hmm. network up, depending on what those workloads are, you're going to want compute local, right? So especially if you're doing some type of XR um, experience, you could be, you could do at a stadium or Within um, an enterprise, if they're doing some type of training using XR, you really want that compute local, and then you have a the low latency, high bandwidth, high throughput um, ability there, and then you have your compute local to the to um, the company. And in the coach to coach, thanks for that that answer though, because that help that helps us kind of, I guess, visualize mm-hmm. how how these things are getting built out because obviously, you know, this infrastructure is in place in terms of the macrocellular network, but not necessarily in the data uh, network or the cloud. So it is kind of interesting for us to uh, visualize that. Um, in the coach to coach communications, um, I, you know, I've seen, I've been to a lot of football games. So I've seen, I've seen, you know, various types of, uh, some of them, you, you know, you were using two way radios just not too long ago, you know, just regular old, uh, analog radios because nobody had the channels. And so, but they were also subject to a lot of interference. I think you were kind of alluding to that earlier. Like, how do you, um, I know that you're still using the same spectrum, but how do you, um, keep the, uh, the signal or the radio noise to a minimum in an environment like that, because there's so much activity happening. Uh, but then as I was asking the question, I thought, well, wait a minute, is, is all of that activity on cellular? It, a, a bunch of it must be on Wi-Fi, but it's still a lot of radio interference, I would imagine. Yeah. So um, how do you, how do you keep that signal as clear as possible, I guess? And, and this is something we've been doing for a long time, because if you look at every stadium, you have all the carriers are in there, right? So you have a um, a system that supports, you know, you have your in-building systems or you know, if it's a um, distributed RAN system that are in there. So those exist today, right? So as you're looking at doing the private network, you're going to use a different spectrum, right? You're not using the same spectrum that's uh, that's deployed in the either the macro network that that you could interfere with or that's on the, um, the DAS system, the distributed antenna system that's in the stadium. So it is different spectrum. And then... Um, the CBRS spectrum, which is what we use there, 
um, we have a, a PAL license for CBRS. So we do have licensed spectrum there. And the carriers, the other carriers have their own license licenses as well. The challenge that we had originally with the NFL is some of the radio or the things that they were using for coach to coach actually were were not were old and were kind of bleeding over into into license spectrum that they they shouldn't have been. So, um, oh, yeah, so the 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 system itself is just a lot tighter and a lot cleaner on how it interacts. I don't know if you all remember when we deployed seven hundred megahertz, there were these um, handsets and there were um, the microphones that were. The, the cordless microphones, there were, there were quite a few different things that were interferers for 700 that, that we would have to mm-hmm. take a look at and watch for. And anytime you do a Super Bowl, you have the RF wars, which is a kind of an interesting day. You know, it's the everyone's in the stadium and they're, they've got everything tuned up to see if there's anything yeah. interfering with um, somebody else's spectrum just to make sure that that that's taken care of before the big day. Yeah, I can imagine those environments are, are incredibly um, uh, technically challenging, I guess, is the, the nice way to say it. Um, I uh, j- Just as an, as an anecdotal example of how I understand this, um, the radio triggers that photographers use for their flashes, um, the ones that just came out the last year or so, now have over a hundred different channel variations because, because the, of events like the Super Bowl, because they, they, they've had so many issues with, uh, uh, with crossing up signals or somebody firing off somebody else's equipment or something like that. So yeah, just if a, if a commercial, uh, you know, device like that, that only has a single use has a hundred variations, I can only appreciate that you know, the, the, the higher the stakes, the, the more, uh, complexity, uh, sort of is at play. Um, let's see, how, how are we doing on time? Kelsey, you got, uh, anything else you wanted to ask about either of those, uh, use cases or any of the others we haven't talked about? Yeah. I was, um, curious, uh, how network slicing comes into play. Uh, and also, you know, is it, um, kind of separate question, but is it challenging, um, having to, uh, remove some of this equipment, uh, like you mentioned, the the stadiums might also be used for football and for concerts. So is that is that a challenge to accommodate um, multiple use cases? So the so for the coach to coach, that's one that that they move stuff around. And and actually at the stadium down in Miami, they're constantly reconfiguring that because they have the Miami Open. And then when they do the Miami Open, they create a whole new grand tennis court out in the, you know, the middle of the stadium. Plus they have all these other courts that, you know, and then they have temporary bleachers that come up. So there's a lot of configuration that happens in some stadiums more than others. Like if we think of Atlanta, that one's pretty stable. They, you know, there's not, you have the, um, the, I think it's Home Depot back yard area, you know, none of that really changes, but Miami is a specific one that is constantly changing configurations based on what's coming in there. They do with a jazz festival. I mean, they just have a huge um, amount of space that they are constantly doing something different with. So, 
so they that's part of just how they roll, right? And they they have a, a guy over there, Joe Webble, who is just fantastic, and he re- is in charge of a lot of that, and and he makes a lot of those changes. Um, but when we look at network slicing, you know, as we go into five GSA, and we move into network slicing, the ability to put a slice out for a certain type of use case, you know, that's when we start to see um, if you have, you know, if you're doing multiple use cases on the same spectrum and you want to create a different use case for one where, where it has a latency characteristic or a bandwidth characteristic that you need to have a constant to, then you could create a slice for that um, application. And, you know, as you first start off, you really don't need slicing because you're, you know, you're starting with your first use case. Um, and then as you start to add on use cases, that's when we think slicing will be, will become more important. Well, thanks for the, um, uh, the overview of what's happening now in private 5G. This, this uh, certainly helps us uh, sort of, uh, you know, visualize where some of these uh, networks are taking shape and some of the use cases and maybe some of the technical uh, issues and challenges you guys are, uh, are overcoming uh, there at Verizon. Um, how does the uh, last question, I guess, to sort of look ahead, um, what's on your plate now in terms of how, how the business is growing? Because I, I, you jokingly mentioned gateway drug, but I mean, I do know that CIOs and CTOs all talk to one another in different, you know, uh, you know, all the sports guy, all the stadium guys get together and talk about stuff. All the uh, big venue guys get together and talk about stuff. So I wonder, um, if, if this, uh, if these areas of success are starting to sort of bleed over into, uh, you know, more demand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the stadium alone, right? We, we're now going out to 30 stadiums for coach to coach communications. And then we have people like the NHL that are looking at it, um, NBA. And then just recently with the Grand Prix, we have a lot of the, um, the race car drivers and the, you know, they're looking at it as well. So as they see how it works and they get to test it, um, it really starts to spark another idea. And that's the thing that's so fun about, you know, the job that I have, I feel really lucky always to be in the, in the forefront of technology. Verizon has always been, you know, a leader in 5G as well as a leader in, in just wireless networks and the opportunities that it brings and the new use cases that we're going to see, I mean, we're just getting started. That's uh, that's great. Uh, okay, well, on behalf of Kelsey, uh, thank you so much, uh, Andrea Caldini, for uh, for making the time and for being on the podcast. Great. Thank you. Thanks.